Father, as we, um, we have entered into your presence through worship of song and, and testimony, and now we are going to open up your word. And Father, um, as always, we depend upon your Holy Spirit to teach us, to lead us, and, and, and more than that, just to even help us to internalize it, to, to experience the reality of your word. It is living, powerful, sharper than a two-edged sword. And I pray that as we open up your, your scriptures, your word that you have graciously given to us, that uh, we will be attentive to the way your spirit wants to um, shape us and transform us. So thank you, Father, for um, this opportunity to continue our worship. I pray this in Christ's name. Amen. So how many of you, uh, raise your hands if, if back home, at home there. How many of you had ever heard of the word Zoom six weeks ago? Go ahead, raise your hands. How, how many of you had ever heard of the word Zoom? Now hold them up. Let's see. Okay, three of you. I, you don't think I can see into your living rooms. You know, all those weird things about, you know, people can look through your TV. Well, I, I can see you. And three of you had only heard of the word Zoom. And by the way, if, if you want to know if John Morrison is wearing his Batman pajamas this morning or his Spider-Man pajamas, just go ahead and email me and I'll, I'll let you know. Anyway, we're finding uh, Zoom, though, to be a great tool uh, to continue our our kind of fellowship here at the church and, uh, and around the world, our community groups, um, our meetings. Every Monday morning, we, um, our missions team does a Zoom meeting with uh, our coworkers and partners uh, from many parts of the world, from Africa and India and Latin America, um, Pakistan. And it's, uh, we're, we're finding that as we get together, with uh, our, um, our friends that are serving the Lord uh, all around the world, that the, the truth of 1 Corinthians 10.13 um, uh, is, um, is really true. 1 Corinthians 10.13 says, No temptation or trial has overtaken you, but such that is common to man. As we uh, talk with uh, uh, folks around the world, we're finding, you know, we're all in this together. Um, words like, again, quarantine or isolation or even Zoom, um, we're, we're using those same words no matter where we are in the world. Uh, we're, we're experiencing something very common uh, amongst ourselves, a common tribulation, a common trial. We're also finding, as we're Zooming on Monday mornings with folks around the world, that um, Trials and tribulations come in all different shapes and all different uh, sizes. Uh, this past Monday, we heard from our friends from uh, Kenya. And uh, brothers and sisters in Kenya this past week are going through some, some real intense suffering. There have been uh, torrential rains that are causing um, severe, severe flooding in um, in that western region of Kenya where the Pokot tribe is that we've been working with for well over 30 years. And it's, it's very serious. People are losing their homes. Um, uh, the infrastructure is shot and people are losing their lives. 
Uh, trials and tribulations really do come in all different shapes and sizes. And some of those tribulations, some of those sufferings cause us to rearrange um, our, our day. Some of them cause us to rearrange our entire, our entire life. Um, some of those trials and tribulations happen because of our own sinful choices, our willful rebellion. And then again, so many of those trials and tribulations, so, so much of the suffering in life just comes like out of nowhere. And um, you wonder, wh- where, where did that come from? Why is that happening? Let me paint for you a couple of scenarios, like scenario number one. You wake up one morning and you find out that the, the sink is clogged, the sewer is backed up, the kids are sick, and um, you get a call and find out that you're overdrawn at the bank. Or scenario number two, you get a call from your employer and because of the economic chaos that's going on, you now are part of the millions of Americans that have lost their job. And you've got some major bills coming at the end of the week. Or scenario number three, the test results are back and your doctor confirms the worst fears. You indeed do have cancer and now there's going to be a number of surgeries that uh, you're looking at and, and months and months of rehabilitation. You see, trials, tribulations, they come in all shapes and all sizes. Jesus said, in this world, you will have tribulation. If there's one thing for certain is that we will all experience tribulation in some form, in some fashion. But there's also a lot of uncertainty that comes with trials and tribulations. Um, it, it, it causes us to raise a lot of questions like, why is this happening to me? What did I do to deserve this? And I thought God, I, I thought God loved me. This is sure a strange way of him showing that he loves me. The uncertainties of trials. Well, we've been studying the book of Romans, and I want you to turn again to Romans chapter 5. Romans chapter 5, Paul is telling us there in that opening verse, as we saw it last week, having therefore been justified by faith. And so he is going to unpack a a whole list, a whole inventory list of the blessings that come to us because we have been justified by faith. Having been justified by faith, therefore, he says, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our introduction or access by faith into this grace in which we stand, And we exalt or we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. Because we have this right standing with God, because we've been declared right because of the work that Jesus Christ did for us on the cross, because we are born again children of God, we have peace with God, which can lead to our daily experience of peace of God. But we have peace with God. We have... um, the storehouse of God's grace has been opened to us. We've, we have an introduction to the, we have an access to the wealth of God's grace and we stand in it all around it um, experiencing the grace of God. And we have the, cert, the sure and certain hope, the, the hope, which in the New Testament is this idea of confident expectation. We have the hope of of standing in his presence, transformed in his glory. Um, Our coming transformation and glory 
is secure. We have full assurance that absent from the body means to be present with the Lord, glorified in Him. Um, that's assured to us. These are some of the lists that we saw last week, but you look at maybe the tribulations of life that you're going through right now, and you're thinking, you know, I, it, it seems kind of like a mirage. It's, it seems like this is fake news. Peace with God? I mean, are you kidding me? If that's true, why am I struggling? Access to God's grace, standing in the presence of the, the storehouse of His grace. I don't think my, my key worked to unlock that door of grace. Why is this stuff happening to me? And rejoicing in the coming glory? Man, all I see is dark clouds of gloom that are encompass me. Trials and tribulations, no doubt about it, they can rock our world. They can, uh, they can whack us upside down the head and, and cause us to reel in wonder what in the world is happening. Does God really care? Is there really hope? Does God really love me? After all, didn't we, previously in our study of Romans, in Romans chapter 2, uh, find out that uh, tribulations come to sinners? Remember Romans chapter 2, verse 8 and 9, it said to those who are selfishly ambitious and do not obey the truth but obey unrighteousness, there will be wrath and indignation and tribulation and distress for every soul of man who does evil. Man, I'm certainly experiencing tribulations and distress, so I must have to conclude that, man, I... I, I I don't have any hope. Uh, what, what God has promised must not be me. I must not be under the grace of God. I must be under the, the wrath of God. But starting in chapter 5 there, the next verse, verse 3, uh, Paul is saying, hold it. Now, wait a minute. I'm not finished yet. Keep reading the Bible. There are more blessings to unpack. So look at the next verse. Chapter 5, verse 3, and he says, not only this, not only that, not only what I've just said, but we also exalt or rejoice in our tribulations, knowing that tribulations brings about perseverance or endurance, and perseverance, proven character, and proven character, hope, and now hope does not disappoint, or some of our translations say, it does not put us into shame. It, it's not, it doesn't cause us shame. In addition to the peace with God, in addition to access to His grace, in addition to be able to stand in the, in, the, in the joy of His grace, in addition to the hope of future glory, Paul is now saying in verse 3, not only this, he says what we can rejoice in our tribulations. We can rejoice in our tribulations. We can look at tribulations. We can look at suffering in a whole different way because of our justification. In fact, the same boasting that he said in verse 2, the boasting of our eternal glory that is to come, boasting in the fact that we're going to be transformed into the image of Christ fully one day, in addition to boasting and rejoicing in that, he says we can actually boast, same word, we can exalt, we can rejoice 
in our present sufferings, in our tribulations. Um, God wants us to look at trials and tribulations differently. And he's saying that we actually can because we have a right standing with him now. We have a different relationship with God, having therefore been justified by faith. In a totally different relationship with God, we have a totally different perspective now of suffering, of trials. Paul is saying in Romans chapter 5, verse 3, that one of the results, one of the benefits of our justification is to rejoice in our suffering. Now, by the way, Paul wasn't alone in this line of thinking. The earliest epistle written uh, by the half-brother Jesus, James, remember this, James 1-2, considered all joy, brethren, when you encounter various trials, consider it all joy. Or uh, Peter said this in 1 Peter 4, Beloved, do not be surprised at the fiery ordeal among you which comes upon you for your testing, as though some, some strange thing were happening to you. But to the degree that you share the sufferings of Christ, keep on rejoicing. Rejoicing in suffering. Now, how is that possible? I mean, how can we actually look at our situations, look at tribulations differently, and, and actually have a spirit of, of, of joy over it? Well, because rejoicing in tribulation is grounded in uh, knowledge, a, a, a new perspective. Again, look at verse 3. Not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations. And the very next word in the New American Standard translation is knowing. So th there's some information, there's some truth that informs us to how we perceive and view our suffering, our tribulation. Knowing Knowledge that the tribulations have a purpose is key. Knowing that tribulations bring about perseverance or endurance, and perseverance brings about proven character, proven character hope, a hope that doesn't put us to shame, doesn't disappoint us. There's a knowledge, Paul is saying, that we can gain, that we can learn, that puts our tribulations in a whole different light our sufferings in a whole different light. You know, one of the questions we need to ask ourselves, are we to praise God for our tribulations or do we praise God in the midst of enduring our tribulations? Well, he's saying here, you can praise God actually for the tribulations because God has a purpose in them if you know this. In fact, in this chapter 5, verse 1 through 11, there's three things that we're to exalt in. We saw it in verse 2. We are to exalt or rejoice in the hope of the coming glory. Well, who wouldn't rejoice over that? Down in verse 11, it says not only this, but we also rejoice or exalt in God. Well, who, who can't rejoice in God? But now that same call to rejoice is applied to our tribulations in verse 3. Clearly, Paul is saying there is, there is great benefit if we just understood some important truth. Because of our justification, our tribulations are not tragedies. They are God's means, he says, to, to lead us to proven character. Now let's unpack these, um, these verses here, these next verses. He says, we rejoice in our sufferings, in our, in our tribulations, 
the, that word tribulation is a word that literally means um, pressure. Um, it, you, you think of the, the feeling of being pressed down upon by the cares of life, your burden, your trouble over the sorrows of life, philipsis, uh, uh, th- uh, pressure that bears down upon you. These tribulations, these pressures of life, they press us down, they weigh us down, and yet as they do, he says it's actually producing something in us. Tribulations, he says, produce perseverance or endurance, hupomene, the ability to, to bear up, that's what that word means, to, to remain up under, to bear up under the weight and the pressure of tribulations. You think of... Uh, of a weightlifter. If you've ever done some bench pressing, you think of a, a, a weightlifter who um, is, is bearing under a load of, of weight. Um, it's, it's coming down upon him. And sometimes that pressure is heavier and heavier and heavier. And yet it's all designed, this pressure that's bearing down is actually designed to strengthen our spiritual muscles. It's producing endurance. And the wonderful thing is that uh, we, have a, we have a divine spotter um, who is there watching over us. I quoted from 1 Corinthians 10 earlier. Let's finish that passage. 1 Corinthians um, chapter 10, verse 13 says, No temptation has overtaken you, but such is common to man. And then it says, And God is faithful, who will not allow you to be tempted beyond what you're able but with the temptation, he will provide the way of escape also that, so that you're going to be able to endure it. Pressures weigh down upon us. The temptations come, the trials, the sufferings press down. But it's producing a, an ability by God himself um, lifting it up. We are able to endure it. We're able to, to, to press through it. And as we persevere, as we endure, what's the result? Next word, proven character. Dokame. It is a word that means to be approved through testing. Approval through testing. Proven character. In other words, what is God doing in the process? He's transforming us. This is his means of making us like Christ. Proven character. It's, it's where the fruit of the Spirit start, starts showing up. Love and joy and peace and patience. and It's all those characteristics that define Jesus. And God begins to produce that, begins to transform us. Proven character. And what is proven character? If we keep going through that list, verse 4, perseverance, proven character, proven character, hope. And so we're back to hope again. Confident expectation. Uh, It's interesting that we start with hope there in verse 2. We hope in the coming glory of God. But as we go through the sufferings of life and we find that through His enabling Spirit, we're enduring through it. um, and, And through that endurance, He's changing us and transforming us into the image of Christ more and more. And as that transformation takes place, we're growing in hope. So our hope is, is, is being enlarged. Um, it's, it's when we don't properly understand God's purpose in trials and in tribulations. It's when we don't get it, when we don't know this, when we fail to make, connect the dots 
and understanding what is going on in my life that we lose hope. And God is saying, you can gain hope. There is a progression. We actually can grow in hope. Our hope can be strengthened. It can be enlarged. And he says there in verse 5, and that kind of hope, it doesn't disappoint. In other words, we're not going to come up on the short end of it. We're not going to, we're not going to stand embarrassed like, what was I trusting in? And be ashamed over it. No. God is going to work out his plan in your life and he's going to transform you in the process. And as you experience that transformation, you begin to say, man, this, this Christian life, it, it, it really does work. God really is who he said he is. And, and hope grows. It doesn't disappoint. Um, there's a couple of verses uh, there also in Romans that kind of emphasize this. Chapter 8, verse 18 says, For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that is to be revealed. Paul makes this assumption, all right, I'm going through some tough times, but you know what? There is glory and even greater glory. He said in Romans chapter 15, verse 13, Now may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. There's that proven character. May fill you with all joy and peace in believing so that you will abound in hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. Um, the best way to begin to handle our tribulations is to be reminded that God has a divine design that He's lovingly working out in your life to bring you greater glory. Hope does not disappoint. Now, why doesn't hope disappoint? That's the, the sixth blessing in this whole list of, of the inventory of God's blessing. Why does hope not disappoint? Verse 5, hope does not disappoint, he says, because of the love of God is poured out within our hearts. Sorrows, suffering, tribulations, we can have a, an entirely different perspective on that when we see that God is working those things out, the, the pressures and the trials that weigh down upon us, through God's enabling grace, we bear up under it, and we find we're being transformed by it, and that God is really working in us the image of Christ. He's, he's shaping us. He's like the, like the gold that's being refined. The dross is burning out. He has a divine design and as we see that process happening, we gain, we grow in hope and more hope and more hope. It's enlarged. It's a hope that doesn't put us to shame. It's a hope that will not disappoint because, you see that causal statement? Because the love of God is poured out within our hearts. This is the apex of the blessings. Tribulations are purposeful and work out to our good and God's glory simply because God is a loving God. God's love has been poured out in our hearts by the Holy Spirit. The moment we trusted Christ as our personal Savior, God has placed His presence within us by His Holy Spirit, and He has poured out, it's very graphic words here, He has poured out His love. Someone described it as, God's love is like the Amazon River that, that is flowing down to water one little flower. 
His love is the Amazon River flowing down to water one little flower. The love of God is poured out. God's love is bestowed and it's, it's experienced as opposed to the other alternative, the wrath of God being manifested. This is what God's grace has done. This is what, what being justified, being declared right, having a relationship with the living God does for us. Why and how has God's love been poured out? What is the basis upon which Paul can say that? Well, keep reading. Verse 6, For while we were yet sinners, while we were yet helpless, while we were yet weak, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. One will hardly die for a righteous man, though for perhaps for a good man someone would dare even to die. But God, God demonstrates his own love towards us and that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. By the way, notice the tenses there in verse 8. God, present tense, demonstrates, he currently demonstrates in the present tense, right now in your life, he demonstrates his own love towards you and that while you were yet sinners, Christ died, past tense. And so we're back to the gospel again, are we not? We've come back to the gospel, the good news. The good news of Jesus tells us of the love of God. Tribulations are never wasted. Suffering is never wasted for a child of God who knows these truths because they're on the receiving end of God's love. Because God's love has been poured out in our hearts through the Holy Spirit. And it's not based on us. It's not grounded in how we're performing. Notice the words that were used there in verses 6, 7, and 8. We were helpless or powerless. We were sick and weakly. It says we were ungodly. We deserved the wrath of God, which is poured out against all unrighteousness and ungodliness of men. That's what we deserve. It says in verse 8, we were sinners. We fell short of the glory of God. We missed the mark. We're sinners. Verse 10 actually says in verse 10, we were enemies. We have acted in hostility towards God. That's, That's what we've brought to the table. And in the midst of all this, God demonstrates his own love towards us. Every day, there's a demonstration of his love, and it's always through the, through the gospel, to the reality of the past truth. Preach ourselves the gospel every day. Because that's how God is, he, he continues to demonstrate his love to us. Hope is grounded in God's love. And this is the key, I think, to all that Paul has been saying here. It builds this inventory list to this wonderful truth I am loved by God. There's one thing that guarantees my justification, my right standing by God in faith. It's His love. It's one thing that guarantees that I have peace with Him, that all hostilities with God are over. It's His love for me. There's one thing that guarantees that I have access to the storehouse of grace and I can stand in it. He loves me. There's one thing that guarantees that I will experience the transformation of glory one day when he returns. It's because he loves me. 
And there's one thing that guarantees that the sufferings and the trials and all the mess and yuck of life that we're going through can actually have a divine design that works and transforms us and changes us and, and builds our hope. You know what guarantees that? His love has been poured out into our hearts. It's not because of how wonderful I am, how holy I am, how great I am. It's because of how loving God is to an undeserving sinner. It's God's love abundantly poured out that makes a difference in my life today. It's God's love abundantly poured out that turns my tribulations into rejoicing. It's God's love poured out abundantly by His Spirit that turns my sorrows into gladness. It's God's love that is changing me and is taking the bad stuff of my life and actually working out His goodness and His plan in my life. And by the way, in this major section of, of Romans 5, 6, 7, and 8, this uh, kind of more practical living uh, the life of Christ section of, of Paul's teaching in Romans, that's where Paul ends up again. At the end of chapter 8, he says this, Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Will tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? But in all these things, we overwhelmingly conquer. How? Through him who loved us. For I'm convinced that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing will be able to separate us from the love of God which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. That's where Paul ends up. That's where he wants us to end up. Into the arms of a loving God and view all of life the good, the bad, and the ugly, all of life through this wonderful truth. God's love has been poured out in our life through the Holy Spirit. He calls us then to, to, to know it, to believe it, to experience it. You see, the key word back there is to know, is to experience it, is to um, understand it with our understanding of our heart that He's given us. Again, verse Three is key. Knowing this, we exalt in our tribulations because our tribulations bring about perseverance. And perseverance, proven character. Proven character, hope. And it's a hope that will never put, put to shame. It starts with knowing this. We know the greatness of God's love, like Paul said in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 4. But God being rich in mercy because of his great love with which he loved us. Or later in Ephesians chapter 3, he said, he prays that we will be able to comprehend with all the saints the breadth, the length, the height, the depth, to know the love of Christ, which he says is beyond knowing. We need to know this. I hope today that as we walk through briefly this passage a little bit, You've come to know it a little bit more. God loves you. And it's His love that makes all the difference in your life. I hope you've come to know that a little bit more because now you can believe it. Is it true? 
And when we believe it, we begin to experience it. You can't experience what you don't believe. You can't believe what you don't know. God's love, it is unquenchable, it's unfathomable. It's operating in your life today. There's an old hymn by Frederick Lehman. He wrote this, these words, you, you may remember it. Could we with ink the ocean fill? And were the skies of parchment made? Were every stalk on earth a quill, and every man a scribe by trade? Well, to write the love of God above would drain the oceans dry. Nor could the scroll contain the whole, though stretch from sky to sky. Oh, the love of God, how rich, how pure, how measureless and strong. It shall forevermore endure the saints and the angels' song. Is it your song this morning? Can you sing of the, the love of God? Never forget, child of God, God's love is like the Amazon River, and it's flowing down to water one little flower. That's you. God loves you. He has poured out that love in his heart, and it makes all the difference of how we perceive life. Let's pray. Father, thank you for the opportunity that we can worship you. Thank you for this um, opportunity, Lord, to, to be reminded of uh, how much you love us and what you did to prove that love, to demonstrate that love. And how, Father, even now, no matter what it is we're facing, you can use that to shape us and transform us, to work out good. And Lord, you're, you're going to remind us that and even build on it when we get to chapter 8 of Romans. We'll come back to this whole theme. Um, thank you, Lord. That's all we can say. Thank you for your love for us. And I pray, Lord, that because of our time today in the Word, that maybe our knowledge has, has just increased just a little bit more. And that, Father, we will come to believe what we've just heard so that we can experience it in our daily life. Father, we need an experience of your love in these troubled times. It comes by believing what we've just understood. Lord, work that into our life through your Holy Spirit. And for your glory, we pray this in Christ's name. Amen.